I'll get it wrong. Um, we have Elia is going to come and share some testimonies, and then Mika is going to come and share. Give uh, Elia a hand this morning. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, yeah, kia ora everyone. It's so good to see you. Um, that was awesome. I'm still like a little bit shaky, so if my voice goes out, it's just Jesus. Um, yeah, so we are, um, first of all, it is such a privilege to be here. I don't like genuinely thank you so much for having us and thank you so much for allowing us space to um, tell you what God's been doing. It's, it really is an honor. So I just want to um, honor you, Pastor. Thank you so much for having us. Um, <clears throat> But yeah, so we are Catalyst Movement. Um, we are a young adults-focused ministry. Um, the majority of us here are based from Auckland, so please forgive us for that. Um, but <laughs> but this movement, I just want to, we're going to share a little bit about what this movement is and what we're doing, and then um, we're going to share some testimonies about what we've seen God do so far in the last five weeks um, just in New Zealand. He's seriously moving. And then um, Mike is going to get up and share a word that God's been putting on his heart. Um, yeah, so Catalyst Movement, uh, we, uh, our vision statement is to save the lost and send the saved. So it's pretty simple um, for all you scientists out there that know what a catalyst is. That's exactly our heart. We want to go into places and see God move and change. And we, um, this is Catalyst Movement is based off Matthew 9:37, which says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So therefore, pray earnestly to see more laborers, right? And we fully believe that wholeheartedly. We believe we can see everyone in New Zealand hear the good news of Jesus, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, right? Um, and so this tour that we're doing across the nation at the moment is actually coming out of that, right? So not only do we want to pray earnestly for the laborers to be in the harvest, but we want to be an answer to those prayers as well. Um, so we have, at the moment, there's seven of us um, in Nelson, but we are a group of, there's 19 of us going throughout the whole tour, and we represent about 16 different churches. So we, yeah, it's great. The unity, where, the, where there's unity, God commands a blessing, right? So it's been absolutely amazing. Um, and this is town number 15. 16! Dang it! Um, <laughs> so close. Um, but yeah, so we, seriously, we have seen, so in every town that we're going into, we're doing lots of outreach and lots of um, talking to uh just honestly, we're just hitting the streets with the gospel and sharing the news of Jesus, and we're seeing God move. And in every town, we're partnering with faith communities like you guys, because we are so aware that God is moving in this town. We're so aware of this, but we're leaving, and you guys are the answer to this town. You are the answer to your street. You're the answer to the community. And so we want to come alongside what God is already doing in this place um, and just kind of celebrate you guys. Like, this church is wild. You guys are awesome. Um, and yeah, so I'm going to invite some of the team up and we're going to share what we've seen God doing. But I cannot stress enough, the harvest is so ripe. We found after COVID, people are hopeless. Like, like COVID really nailed a lot of people. And there is only hope in Jesus, right? And we are like, I mean, you'll see the team nodding their heads. There are so, people are open. People are 
open, so open. All you have to say is good morning, and then you're talking about Jesus. People are so hungry. They're so hopeless. We are the light of the world. They see the light, and they want Jesus. People want Jesus. So anyway, um, <laughs> okay, <I'll laughs> yeah, I'm going to rein it in a little bit. Um, but yeah, we want to share some testimonies just to encourage you guys. This is all stuff that God is doing in New Zealand. He's so going before us. And, and I'm going to say it again. The harvest is so ripe, so ripe in this nation. Um, yeah, so if we get Michael, um, where are you, Matthew and Johanna up, and we're all just going to quickly share a couple of things that we've done We've not we've done that we've seen God do in our nation. Do you want to go first? This is Matthew. Yeah, nice to meet you guys. It's such an awesome church. Yeah, I just want to share a quick testimony that happens yesterday. So our team was in um, Greymouth, and yeah, in the morning I just walking down the street and I saw this art art gallery photography place, and the, a lady was putting out sign open sign. So I was like, oh, is this open? So I just like went inside and yeah, look look for around and then. And then this lady, this shop owner just come to me and just like, hey, is there anything that I can help you? And I was like, oh, no, just waiting for friends, waiting for um, coffees and stuff. And we just went in a small talk. And then, um, yeah, and then suddenly, like, God just urged me to, like, ask this question. Oh, so do you have any belief or question? And then, and then she just went straight into sharing her life. And then we have this conversation, and I found out that, like, um, she... She just lost her husband seven months ago, and throughout this, like, two two or three years, she lost quite a few of other family members as well, and, yeah, she, we had this conversation about, like, suffering, and then, like, why this herb is, like, having a lot of bad things, like, you know, COVID, and all this kind of thing that happens to, to destroy families, destroy people, so I just have this chance to, like, share the gospel with her and just, like, pray for her, you know, Despite that everything happens, but God still have a great love for you, and He cares about her. Like, you know, just yeah, just little take away from this testimony. You know, like, um, sharing the gospel, sharing faith can happen anywhere and like any time. It's just being intentional with convers- having conversation with people and bringing the gospel in, and yeah, and just another point. Um, yeah, you know, there's a lot of broken people outside, but you never know until you ask, like, how are you going? Like, you know, there's a lot of bro- broken people with, like, broken soul. Like, they're experiencing a lot of things, but it's only Jesus that can help to fill the void. Hey, guys. So we um just going to share a little bit about Wellington, where we were there. Um, like, we've been pretty flat tech busy. I think we've done, like, 43 events in 26 days. Um, but just seeing evangelism and, and seeing ministry happen every night. But this was one of our days off, um, and we went shopping, which I love to do, um, and, uh, and get it from my mama. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And then um, and while we were, we were shopping, I just want to like, encourage you that the harvest is ripe, and there's amazing things happening. And even if you don't see the fruit of your seed straight away, it could be years later. Anyway, we were in this op shop and this this girl came running up to me and she was like, Johanna, like, oh, I just remember you. I remember how passionate and how on fire you were for Jesus. Like, like about six years ago, I met you. I don't know if you remember me. And I didn't remember her at first. But um, and ended up having this amazing chat about God and ended up, and the two of us praying for her. And it just shows you, like, don't 
underestimate the power of God and where God can place you and where God can put you at a significant divine appointment at a certain time and and just yeah don't you don't know like um just be excited for the fact that God wants to partner with us and use us and it could be years later that you see this harvest come but it's it's making an impact and whatever part of the journey that you are sowing those seed or or um you know toiling the soil or whatever um it's all part of God's plan and and it's so cool that God wants to partner with that and then anyway so that happened in the shop and then um I overheard this lady say Holy Spirit and I said oh sorry I I just sorry I don't mean to interrupt but I overheard you talking about the Holy Spirit and she's like yeah I was like this miracle happened and oh it's just so exciting and she's like are you a Christian and I'm like yes of course and she's like oh great I'm having um, a Bible study at my house in about half an hour you're welcome here's the address please come along we're praying for the uh, um, persecuted church and I'll see you there and I was like great awesome see you there um so another divine appointment in a different kind of way like we're here to 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 encourage one another to encourage believers and and she said oh this um faithful man who's in his 80s has been faithfully running this um this uh, prayer meeting for the last 30 years consistently um praying for the persecuted church in this little house with three other elderly people and they just consistently do it. And she was like, oh, he'd be so encouraged if you came along. It's at my house. Here's the address. So anyway, went along, went along, and, and we prayed for the persecuted church, and we prayed for the voice of, um, the, voice of the voiceless. And um, it was just amazing. We had this incredible time. And at, while we were there, I was sharing what we're doing about going on this tour, and um, she had these little... Um, little mini Bibles that she had put together with um, a little uh, sheet about how to give your life to Jesus, steps to giving your life to Jesus, um, that she'd handmade 2,000 of them and um, that she'd ordered from Australia and she'd put together. And um, she was just so blessed by what we were doing that she gave us a whole bunch, a few hundred to take on us on our journey and it's just so amazing as believers go to encourage one another we get encouraged and blessed in return and then they were so blessed that they wanted to invite our whole team over for dinner um, that following night I mean that same night and so we did and then it turned into a worship time and turned into a prayer time and just the man was so blown away just to have these young people just bringing this fresh wind of this fresh excitement and fresh enthusiasm and testimonies of what God's been doing in this nation. So yeah, just don't underestimate the power of coming together and praying and supporting each other and seeing God move in all ages. Come on. Yeah, it's been wild. I'll, I'll share a testimony, but I felt like also shared a little snapshot of some of our time as well. Like Elia mentioned, um, in every place we've done an outreach, but as, as she mentioned too, in every place we've done some sort of gathering with believers. Um, in some places we've done like citywide prayer and worship nights, and others we've done these like kind of first ever unified young adults nights. That's been real cool just as a catalyst, seeing how like what God's doing in different places and being able to be a catalyst to help leaders bring together these unified nights or different things like that. And I think we've, we've must have gathered like 700 believers um, over the last month or so for these kind of events, but also taking them on the streets. And 
this this number here is an estimate, but I think in this month we've probably had about fifteen hundred conversations, like genuinely, on the streets, like one on one conversations. We've loosely tracked. We've we shared the gospel of like five hundred people or something, just under five hundred people on like one on one, face to face. We've prayed for something almost six hundred people, over six hundred people, like in a month, just like daily going on the streets, like a few hours of outreach, sharing Jesus, praying for people. We've seen like 20-something people want to actually right there, then and there make a commitment to follow Jesus. We've seen a bunch of people healed in different ways too. Eight people healed. Come on. And, and it's been awesome. So like these um, testimonies are just such a small like snapshot and glimpse. And it's so true. Like people are so open for Jesus. Like so many people um, we'll talk to are so ripe for it. Like they've been thinking about God recently or he's been preparing their hearts. And it, it's actually blowing us away. Like so many believers have been quite afraid if it's their first time, they're like, what if I get rejected? Um, but every time we go out, you'll see the same people, the biggest smiles on their face and so much joy. Like, man, people are so open. People want to hear about God and share all these cool testimonies. And so like one quick favorite one for me was in Hamilton, the first place we were at. Um, we did this like skate park barbecue um, for a few hours with a bunch of different churches. Um, and I was with a guy on our team called Matthew, not, not this Matthew, um, but a Matthew from a small town called Martin. Does anyone know where Martin is? Yeah, come on. So he came all the way up, joined us on tour for a few weeks. Um, and we met this guy who had like a couple of weeks before dislocated his shoulder skating. Um, it was back in place, but it was still like really painful. And his range of motion was honestly like maybe about that. Um, so Matthew's like, can we pray for you, bro? So he pulled me in and we prayed for this guy. Um, literally just one simple prayer. Asked him how it was and he tests it out. And man, it's like probably triple the range of motion. Most of the pain's gone and his face just blew up. Like what the heck is going on right now, you know? Like, what's happening to me? Um, but he said there was still a little bit of pain, so we were like, can we pray for you one more time? Um, so we prayed for him a second time, tested out, and literally, like, just full range of motion, like, zero pain. He was, like, doing kind of, like, freestyle strokes, going for it. <laughs> it was incredible, and this young guy was blown away, like, what is this? Like, so we, like, he'd, I don't think he'd ever been to church before. Like, obviously, people have heard about Jesus and God or believe in some sort of God, you know, but we shared about Jesus and what he did for us. And the God we believe in, um, and he's like, well, what do I do? How do I respond to this? And we're like, well, we can pray with you. Um, and he wanted to pray then and there to kind of give his heart to Jesus. We then prayed for the Holy Spirit to fill him. We gave him some prophetic words. And at the end, he was just like, you know, blown away. Like in the skate park of all places, you know. And just such a cool snapshot of so many wild things that have happened on this tour so far. Um, I also have a little bit of a testimony, um, but I'm going to say it again. The harvest is really ripe, and there's a scripture. <laughs> yeah, You guys are going to be like, what did you learn at church today? The harvest is ripe. Um, good. Um, <laughs> so uh, there's a scripture that says that um, we plant the seeds, right, but God brings the harvest, and that is so clear. He's so prepared the way. All we have to do is step out in faith and he meets us. He's already prepared it. There are so many opportunities. Um, and so while we were in Dunedin, Dunedin was awesome, actually. It was really cool. Um, we um, we partnered with a bunch of locals, which by the way, at 1.30 today, doesn't matter how old you are, we are young adults focused, but if you want to come and do outreach with us, we're going to be hitting the streets of Nelson this afternoon. So at 1.30 we'll be meeting at the bottom of the cathedral steps. So if any of your hearts are beating fast right now, <laughs> come. Um, yeah, so anyway, um, 
we, uh, I had been praying and asking God. So we've been praying over every single town as well. And God, what, what does Dunedin need? And he had said just to offer prayer. And so I w- went up with my friend Ashley um, to this girl who was sitting down underneath a tree having her lunch and just went up to her and I was like, hey, I know this is really weird, um, but I've God highlighted you to me and I just felt to come over and ask you, do you need prayer for anything? And she kind of was like, no, like, and I was like, okay, cool. Like, bless you. Bye. Like, um, cool. Got rejected. It makes life easier. Get the rejection out of the way first. Um, and then she opened the conversation and said, what does this mean? Like, what are you doing? And we just started talking and getting to know this girl. And it turns and just sharing about what we're doing. And she was curious. People are open. Um, she was curious. And so I found out that it was her birthday the next day. She's turning 20, had lots of jokes about how this is your last day being a teenager. And she was like, um anyway and then at the end we were like hey can we pray for your 20th year and at that point we had a bit of a relationship and so she felt comfortable enough to accept and she asked what is prayer so quickly walked her through prayer as a conversation between God and like gave her some theology around that and then went into a time of prayer and I got a picture of flowers for her which is classic right um but I shared this with her and I really boldly step out in faith right God meets you um was like God's going to prove to you that he loves you and he's after your heart. Tomorrow you're going to be inundated with flowers for your birthday. Um, And then... The, then we were wrapping up the conversation and I was wearing this top, our Catalyst top. And she goes, what's your top? And I was like, oh, it's Catalyst. This is a tour that we're on and kind of shared that. And she goes, no way. And I was like, what? <laughs> she said, I'm supposed to be going to a restaurant tomorrow for my birthday. It's called something, something, something. Uh, somehow I ended up on your website last night. <laughs> we were, I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, um, okay, God really wants to know you, obviously. You are on our website last night, and then this morning I come up to you in a random park. Yeah, God loves you. And then um, so we swapped numbers, and we just kept in contact. She messaged me the next day on her birthday and said, no way, guess what? I just got given so many flowers. And so I'm still in communication with this girl, and I'm convinced she's going to give her heart to Jesus. But, like, he he... The harvest is so ready, you guys. We step out. He goes before us. All we have to do is step out in faith, and it's amazing. So, yeah, anyway, thank you guys for sharing. Um, We hope that encourages you and also makes you a little bit like, I want those stories. Cool, you can have them. Um, (laughs) um, But, yeah, so, yeah, (laughs) just step out. Do it. yeah, so anyway, I'm going to uh, invite my wonderful friend up, um, and I'm just going to pray quickly. Um, but firstly, I, 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 Mike is amazing. I'm really excited for him. God's put this message on his heart, and so I really want you guys to posture yourself to, like, take it, and I know you already will. But this man is incredible. I've never met, like, you know that scripture where it says, he who is faithful with little will be faithful with much? When God gives Micah a word or when God puts something on this man's heart, I've never seen anyone who who's as like a faithful a student like God's like okay I want you to evangelize I have no idea how many hours this guy has looked at apologetics on YouTube like he will go like when God gives him something so I'm, I'm just gonna we're going against tall poppy syndrome I'm just gonna encourage you so much this man is amazing um and so yeah if you guys want to close your eyes and I'll pray and we'll invite him up yeah Jesus Lord we thank you for Micah and the heart that you've given him and the words that you've put on his heart Lord thank you um 
for, yeah, just filling them up. And we just pray right now, Holy Spirit, would you fill them up again? Would every word that comes out of his mouth be from you and not humanness, Lord? We want to encounter you today, Jesus, through what Micah shares. So, Lord, and we bless him and we bless this time. And it's all in your wonderful name we pray, Jesus. Amen. So here you go, Micah. Just grab my Bible. Fano, how are we doing? Come on. Um, yeah. Sweet. I'll pray to start and then we'll get into it, shall we? Yeah, Jesus, we just honor you first here in this place. Thank you so much for uh, what you're doing here in Nelson and across Aotearoa and the world, Jesus. We're just so excited for uh, what it is that you're doing and your kingdom going forth. We just give you all the glory and all the honor today. And I pray that um, yeah, you would speak to us and encounter us today, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We're here for you. Amen. Yeah. Uh, kia ora. Um, my name's Micah. Um, I'm from Auckland. Um, please don't hold it against us. And um, yeah, well, just another friendly Aucklander here to tell you what to do. Um, praise God. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, my name's Micah. I'm 25 years old. Um, I love Jesus and I work full time with Catalyst Movement. And um, I've been really stirred as of late and I've seen two things as we've gone on this tour and every location we've been to and this is our 16th location we've seen two things across denominations from charismatic Pentecostal to the most conservative Lutheran Baptist open brethren whatever we've seen two things that people are stirred for a revival that is coming to New Zealand and that God is stirring and bringing something new and the second thing that we've seen consistently in every single place we've gone is that people believe that it has already started and we're stepping into it. So God has been speaking two things across Aotearoa, revival, and that it's already started. And so I've been getting really stirred, like going, yeah, come on, Jesus, we need a move of God in this nation. I, I'm preaching to the choir here, like you guys are amazing, but we need an extended move of God in this nation. And so... Um, it's from that place that um, God kind of uh, highlighted uh, Luke chapter 9 and Jesus feeding the 5,000. And we'll go into that in just a second. Uh, but this kind of comes from a place of I've grown up in the church and I've been to a lot of prayer meetings. And I've been to a lot of vision meetings and they're fantastic. We need prayer meetings. We need vision meetings. Um, but sometimes it, it stays in just the prayer meeting and doesn't actually step into like real world transformation of lives and as important as the prayer meetings are we need more of them um, we also need to translate that into everyday life and um, so as God's been like stirring this message of revival of a move of God in this nation and people are praying into it and pressing into it and it's starting to happen I've been like Lord how do we actually see this go forth we hear of the stories of old of the Welsh revival of the book of Acts of these amazing things how do we actually press in to see that happen? How do we translate it from the heart of God in, in a prayer meeting to the heart of God out in our own lives in reality? And um, it's from that place, I believe Jesus led me to the story of him feeding the 5,000. And now this is a story that many of us will be very familiar with. Uh, we've, a lot of us will have grown up in church in different ways, or uh, even if we haven't, it's kind of one of the first stories we hear about Jesus. It's one of the only ones that's across all four of the Gospels um, of, yeah, Jesus feeding the 5,000. 
So how does this link into our time and, and revival? Um, hopefully we'll figure that out by the end of this, but uh, shall we just dive into Scripture, right? Praise Jesus. So um, if you're following along in your Bibles, I'm going to start from Luke uh, chapter 9, verse 10. I'm just going to read through the entire passage first, um, and then we'll unpack it, okay? Cool. So Luke chapter 9, verse 10. On their return, the apostles told him all that they had done, and he took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. When the crowds learned it, they followed him, and he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. Now the day began to wear away, and the twelve came and said to him, Send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions, for we are here in a desolate place. But he, being Jesus, said to them, you give them something to eat. They said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. Uh, For there were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so, and had all of them sit down. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up, 12 baskets of broken pieces. Cool. So story we're all pretty familiar with, right? Now, in the first thing I want to draw our attention to in this passage is Jesus has gathered a crowd of 5,000 people. Like God, Jesus is there people come. That's kind of a repeated thing. But there's a crowd of 5,000 people, and Jesus is already moving. There is miracles happening. He's healing the sick. He's casting out demons. There is a move of God that is already happening. So Jesus is moving in power, and then the disciples kind of come up to him and start bugging him and saying, hey, Jesus, these guys need to be fed. And I, I remember reading this passage and going, why would you do that? Like, if you were in the middle of, like, a great preacher or Jesus himself praying and, and moving powerfully, the first thing you're going to do is like, man, I'm fasting today. Jesus, just keep, keep moving. Let the people figure their own food out kind of thing. That's not our problem. But the disciples come to Jesus and say, Jesus, hey, look, these guys, they're hungry. We're in a desolate place. Send these people away to the towns so that they can be fed. And the first thing I want to draw our attention to is when Jesus is moving, it doesn't necessarily mean that we won't see other needs that are to happen. And these needs are also on the heart of God. So the disciples, uh, amongst the move of God that is already happening, see that there is another need that arises. And so they respond to that by taking it to Jesus. And it's real interesting. And in John's account of feeding the 5,000, it is actually Jesus who brings up the need for people to be fed. He says to the disciples, you need to feed, these people need to be fed. How do you feed them? So there's this weird thing that happens often when uh, God is moving we will sometimes see a need arise and we'll think, oh, this is us just thinking, oh, I should catch up with that person for coffee or our nation needs revival. But it's actually God who's initiating it and he's waiting for us to bring it to him. And so the disciples see this need in an already ongoing move of God. Just like we see here in Nelson and across the nation, God is already moving and there are powerful things happening. We could tell you story after story, and I'm sure you guys could tell us story after story of the amazing things God is doing. But it is amongst a move of God that we see there is a greater need. Our nation needs 
a revival. And I think we'd all be in agreement of that. So the first thing that we must do, like the disciples, is take that need to God. Come to him and say, hey, Jesus, we need a revival. The disciples come and say, Jesus, we need these people to be fed. And then we see the disciples do what we often do, and we tell God exactly how it is he should do it, right? Jesus, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, hey, send them into the town so that they can go buy provisions for themselves and um, all be fed. We come to God and say, hey, we can't feed 5,000 people. Send them to go do this. This is your problem, Jesus. And I know, maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but how many times have I gone to God and said, hey, there's a problem that I can't deal with. It's bigger than me. I'm just going to put it squarely on your shoulders and say, you deal with it, Jesus. You feed the 5,000. And this is exactly what the disciples do. And so, but Jesus responds in a rather frustrating way. He says, you feed them. And this is often what happens amongst, when we see a need for Jesus to move among the nation, Jesus is already moving, but there is a crying out going across the nation for revival. And a lot of us, we're going, Jesus, bring revival. If only you would send the, the one pastor from America to come and like stir faith up. If only you would um, get our pastors to work together in greater unity within the body of Christ. If only, if only, if only do this, Jesus. But Jesus is saying, you feed them. Jesus is actually putting the responsibility for revival in our nation squarely on each and every single one of our shoulders. He expects us to take hold of the things he is doing and own it ourselves. Um, and often we, when we, yeah, so we come to this plan with a plan for like revival or a move of God, whatever it is, to Jesus. And Jesus is saying in this season, you feed them. And so um, the disciples, once Jesus says you feed them, they rightly kind of go, what the heck? We've, we've only got five loaves and two fish. They've, they gather everything that they have and say, well, this is what we have, Jesus. Or do you want us to go buy food for all of them? And in the, the other verse, it says it's going to be like, uh, in John, it talks about being more than an entire year's wages to feed these people. And often, once we uh, take responsibility for the move of God, once we hear what God's saying and see what God's doing and then choose to take responsibility for it, we often come with another plan. And we say, well, okay, God, I've only got this much. Um, do you expect me to go do all of this? And Jesus is like, no, just give me the five loaves and two fish. Often what happens when we, we come to God, we need to first take responsibility for what God is doing amongst us. And that's what the disciples do. They don't go, oh, well, Jesus, we, we, we can't feed them at all. Their response is to say, well, we've got five loaves and two fish. And with this revival that is coming to our nation, it is beyond each and every single one of us. Like genuinely, like what God is wanting to do is beyond our capabilities. That's why we, we need Jesus. But our response can't be to run away from that. When Jesus is putting that responsibility to reach our nation on us, we have to own it and say, okay, Jesus, but I only work in a cafe. I can influence maybe three people in my life. We need to take our five loaves and two fish and give it to Jesus. And often when we choose to take responsibility for the harvest and for revival, we're going to have an idea of what that looks like. We go, okay, I, I've, I'm only working in a cafe, but I guess a revival across the nation, that's got to be like stadium gatherings across every major city and like um, thousands of people going to the street and stuff like that. We often bring the kind of the equivalent of, do you expect us to go and buy 
the food for all these people. But God's like, no, give me what you have in your hand right now. Give me everything that you have in your hand right now. And it is once the disciples take ownership of seeing these people fed, it's once they take ownership of this move of God, that then Jesus gives them the strategy to walk forward in it. So um, Jesus says, you give them something to eat. They reply, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we had to go and buy food for all these people. There are about 5,000 men. And as after they take responsibility that he says, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. This is the next thing. Once we take ownership and give God what we have, he is going to give us the strategy to move forward. It's not going to be any sooner. Um, it's once we actually commit that Jesus will give us the next step. Um, you can sit with good intentions for a long time saying, okay, Jesus, when you give me this step, I will move. But Jesus is saying, take the step and then I'll show you the way. Because uh, he's a God that loves faith. Without faith, it says in Hebrews, we cannot please God. So we know that this revival is going to require big steps of faith. And Jesus is faithful. He will come through. He will not let you down. I can promise you that. But it's not until they take ownership that then Jesus gives them the strategy to move forward. And it looks really different to what you would expect. If you were having to feed 5,000 people, um, I don't know if getting people to sit down in groups of 50 or whatever would be the necessary way that I would go about doing that. Um, but when Jesus gives us the strategy, we have to be obedient to what he says. So once we take ownership for revival, we give God what we have in our hands, we then have to be obedient to the next thing that he says. And the reason that God does things this way is because he wants to partner with us. Jesus could have gone like that and fed the 5,000 if he wanted to. He could have um, done whatever, but he's chosen deliberately to partner with us. But we need to do it in obedience. And whatever God says within regards to revival, once we take ownership and say, yeah, I want to see Nelson, I want to see Aotearoa reach for the gospel, when he gives us that next strategy, we have to be obedient to that. He might say, go work in a fish and chip shop for five years. Be obedient to the call of God, whatever that looks like. And then it is after the disciples obey. So it's once, again, there's, they commit to God. They say, okay, I will take the first step and then take it. He gives them the strategy. And then it's once they're obedient to the thing that God has told them to do, that then the miracle happens and things are actually unleashed. So it is after the obedience, the disciples get 5,000 people, and that's a, a lot of people to get into groups of 50. Uh, we often will do like testimony training and say, get into groups of three. And I've seen how long a group of people getting into groups of three can take. Imagine getting 5,000 people into groups of 50. So sometimes it takes a little bit of time and continuing to be obedient. Okay, groups of 50, get into groups of 50. When, we're, when God gives us the strategy, we have to see it through to the end, continually doggedly following him and being obedient to what he has said. And it is once that obedience is fulfilled that and then Jesus does the miracle. It is not us. It is not our ability. It is not our obedience or anything that unlocks the power of, of God. It is God sovereignly moving. God wants to move in and through us and he wants to partner with us. But at the end of the day, it is going to be God and God alone who saves this nation. And we get to be a part of it 100%. What a privilege. But it is going to be God. And it is once we've walked in obedience and given him our five loaves and two fish, that then Jesus um, does the miracle. And the cool thing here is, is that when we 
the disciples first recognized this need, they said, send them to the villages and they will be fed. If each person had gone to the village, they would have gotten enough food for themselves and the need would have been fulfilled, right? But with Jesus, there were 12 baskets left over. When God moves, there is an abundance and a just over just more than we need that is only found in, in Jesus. And guys, if we wanted to, if we really like gave it our all and like did a like Jehovah's Witness Mormon kind of idea of like just uh, blanketing the place with tracks and statements, we could probably reach this nation like in our own strength, but it would be bare minimum and probably wouldn't have like that great of an impact in all honesty. But if we do it Jesus's way, there is going to be an abundance and leftovers for, for everyone. It is going to be so much better than our own plans could be. So we have to walk out in obedience. But it all, but before we even get to that big vision of New Zealand saved, a nation after God's heart, we've got to go back to what is that first five loaves and two fish? What is it that God has given you? It may be really small. It may be the equivalent of, um, well, <laughs> I can spend five minutes a day praying. But for some of you in this room, God may have um, given you, I'm just going to say, five houses and the ability to go to India for a month or um, whatever it is. Give it to Jesus. Often when we talk about the five loaves and two fish, we focus on the small and how there is, um, it's just the littlest that we can, we can give God. But the five loaves and two fish were everything that the disciples had. This is in context of them just getting back from um, being sent out by Jesus and being told, take no bread um, with you. This was everything the disciples had, and they gave it to him. It's like the widow with the two coins. She chucks her two coins in, and even though it isn't much, because it was all she had, it was, it was much more than the Pharisees giving out of their extravagance. And the challenge I want to leave with you guys today is God is moving in this nation and you guys have already given a lot. And I've seen the hunger and the thirst that is in Nelson for revival. And I've seen it already starting to happen. But I believe that God is stirring for something even greater than we can know right now. And it is going to require us giving everything into his trustworthy hands. And so um, before I'm going to wrap up now, but we're just going to take a few minutes. And I would love for you each to reflect and ask God, Lord, what is my five loaves and two fish that I can give to you? What is it that you are asking me to put into your hands to, to work a miracle? New Zealand will be saved. God has spoken it and there is a move of God that is happening, but it is going to require us surrendering to Christ and giving him what we have. He is worthy of it. He is the only one worthy of giving everything um, for. Um, and so, yeah, let's just, uh, as the band starts to play, Take a few minutes, ask God, what are my five loaves and two fish that you are requiring of me? Sweet. So Father, as we, um, as we reflect on your worthiness and of your call over uh, Aotearoa and um, to see New Zealand saved and the harvest reached and revival in this nation, Lord, would you show us what you have given us that we can contribute to this, Jesus? Thank you that it's not going to be um, the uh, million-dollar pastor or the billion-dollar events, or, but it's going to be us reaching the people around us that sees revival in this nation, Jesus. So, Lord, we take ownership for 
um, revival in this nation. Thank you that we get to partner with what you're doing, God. But we acknowledge our lack. We acknowledge we, we don't have much. But what we have, we give to you, Jesus. So Holy Spirit, would you speak to us what it is that you are requiring of us to see Nelson, to see Aotearoa reached for the gospel. Mm. So just take a couple of minutes, pray and reflect on that.